Welcome to the Crystal Clear Podcast with Weekly Standard founder and editor-at-large, Bill Crystal. I'm Eric Felton. The Crystal Clear Podcast is sponsored by the Dollar Shave Club. They don't mess around with 14-blade razors and magic lubrication strips or other silly shave technology. As a Weekly Standard Podcast listener, you can enjoy your first month with the Dollar Shave Club for just $5 with free shipping included. Just go to dollarshaveclub.com slash weeklystandard. Bill, how are you doing? Fine, Eric. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. So this week's issue of the magazine is the summer reading issue. And so I thought um, we would talk a little bit about summer reading. Good. And um, I'm assuming that you're going to be brushing up on the Federalist Papers uh, all summer long and maybe— uh, Taking uh, War and Peace to the Beach, of course. You know, Anna Karenina, probably, you, you know, Marcel Proust, probably, and French and English. Don't we all? I, yeah, no, no. So I'm—my summer reading is entirely um, mystery novels and uh, thrillers, basically. I mean, not— Hopefully not quite entirely, but I've got to say I, I do love those kinds of books, and um, they, they're such a wonderful uh, respite from the cares of the world. And actually, you learn more than you think from some of those books because there are a lot of very clever and intelligent mystery writers. You know, I think it's a genre that's regarded as popular, and it is popular, and obviously it's formulaic, and it isn't Tolstoy and so forth. But it really uh, – there's a lot of, a lot of uh, intelligence in some of these writers. I do think – I wonder if in the last 50, 60 years, and a high percentage of the really imaginative and creative, actually, fiction writers haven't gone into the mystery or quasi-mystery or thriller genre for some reason or other. Now, I understand that once upon a time you suggested that uh, one of your favorites, Donald Westlake, get the Nobel Prize in literature. I did. I think it was the – maybe it was the LA Times book section when there was one. had something about – it was right before the Nobels were going to come out. You know, suggest three writers or one writer. I can't remember. And I couldn't resist, of course, suggesting Donald Westlake. I knew it wasn't going to happen, and I knew you were supposed to suggest. You know, he's better you, that than that, really. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're supposed to suggest your super serious, you know, existential angst, European novelists, or your left wing Americans or Canadians or whatever. But or your folk singer who plagiarizes. Yeah, Bob Dylan, right? Though I don't know, does he really deserve it less than half the people who've gotten it? I'm I'm sort of slightly anti anti Dylan in this, but. Um, <laughs> So Westlake, I mean, I highly recommend. What I have been struck, I've been promoting Westlake a long time. We published him in the Weekly Standard once. I knew him slightly. He died about seven, eight years ago. I had coffee with him a couple of times in Washington um, when I think I praised him in print and we got together. Um, really an interesting guy, uh, amazingly prolific. I wrote over 100 novels. Had to write under a bunch of pseudonyms. He chose to write under some pseudonyms. Well, had to and then chose to write under some pseudonyms especially. So his two most famous series are, um, the, and I think, but he wrote many, many other books, too, which are worth reading. I was going to say, let me just back up. The reason I'm happy to talk about Westlake is uh, ever since I started recommending him a long time ago, I read him somehow. I came across him when I was quite young, and I read him as he was writing all these books in the 70s, 80s, 90s, when I was a professor, student, a professor, and here in Washington. Uh, they would come out. I would get them. Uh, I caught up on the stuff of his that he wrote when I was you know, too young to read them. Um, so I sort of read him in real time, so to speak. But he was never hugely famous or popular. He was a successful author, but he wasn't one of these, you know, uh, airport book stands um, selling a million copies. So I've ha recommended him over the years. Many, many people haven't heard of him or barely heard of him, read one or two of his books and didn't realize there was this huge corpus out there. And I've been very gratified that many people have thanked me for recommending him. So I feel some confidence in recommending him. So it's Donald Westlake. His two, I think, great series are the, the comic 
Capers, comic mystery novels, with a, and he has many of those. The one series of about a dozen uh, features John Dortmunder, and it's in New York. So if you're from New York or spent some time in Manhattan or anywhere in New York City, really, it has a special resonance for for, for you. And it, it's a gang of crooks. They each they have wonderful characters. They're not violent. They're sort of harmless and good-natured crooks. Uh, harmless maybe is a little overstating it, but they steal things basically, and they always get into misadventures. And almost always the caper, you know, the the, the mystery goes, the, the the theft goes wrong, or they stumble across something else, and they end up being chased instead of being the the uh, you know the successful robbers. They end up being I don't know, under suspicion of murder or at odds with the gang or something like that. Uh, he has wonderful settings, very funny dialogue, very imaginative, really a shrewd observer, I would say, of people. Westlake. So that's the comic novels. And then there are many others that are not with the Dortmunder gang. But if one were going to begin, one could begin there. And you can just look them up and they're, they're in order. And so you can know, find out the order they went into. You don't have to read them in order, but you could. And then the other thing, but he was one of the first to write these comic capers, um, which have become a very more popular kind of uh, Brand, not brand isn't the word. What's the word? More popular kind of uh, uh, idiom. You know. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of them. Uh, his his good friend Lawrence Block uh, wrote his own comic mystery novels, <clears throat> starring a burglar who's also a bookseller, Bernie Rodenbar. Lawrence Block is a, a good, talented writer too. What, what's amazing about Westlake is he writes all this comic stuff, and then he also sort of invented the noir genre of sort of uh, professional killers who lack a lot of human sympathy and remorse, though somehow one still ends up somewhat liking them and rooting for the them. The likable, remorseless killer. Yeah, and usually this is so. This is Parker. He wrote these under the uh, pen name of... Uh, what, uh, what was the pen name? My mind's going... Uh, Stark, Richard Stark. Uh, why, Not to be confused with Richard Starkey, yes, Ringo but, Stark. Yeah, that's true. I guess that's right. But Stark is a good name, I guess. And they're written in a very Stark way. And Parker, who doesn't have a first name, is a uh, a thief. He's not really a killer. It's not quite like these later ones that go darker even and have professional killers, though uh, Larry Block actually has a series like that. But what, those, those, I'd say literary types like those a little better or are more impressed by those because it really is a kind of uh, – the style is sort of Hemingway on steroids, extremely spare and sparse. Um, very, it's, a ta- it's a tough thing. It's one of those things you read it and you – can't put it down. You think, well, that was very simple. It's written in a very simple way, but of course, it takes a lot of art to do that. I slightly prefer the Dortmunder comic novels. Like those, ultimately, are sort of more interesting, maybe than than the Parker novels. Anyway, if you there are about a dozen of each of those series, so that would get get one started. It takes a few hours. You know, it takes a couple hours to read these novels. They're mostly a couple hundred pages, and you can't put them down once you start. So, Westlake is an excellent start. They're available everywhere. There are a million used copies on. Amazon and uh, and online elsewhere, or even if they're if any if anyone still goes to used bookstores, it's a good bet to find them. And what they're in print. For- Chicago Press. It shows. I mean, there was kind of a cult of Westlake that developed in the last fifteen twenty years among some literary types. So Chicago Press, University of Chicago Press, republished the uh, entire Parker series. So you can also get them new in a kind of classy edition with an introduction and stuff. But I'm a huge fan of Westlake, and I would say the one who's most like Westlake was as good for Westlake's died, and Larry Block, Lawrence Block is alive, but uh, Larry Block, who who wrote also comic and dark kinds of things. Uh, Matthew Scudder is his kind of uh, recovering alcoholic, a New York City cop who had a kind of tortured life, who helps people on the tough, mean streets of New York. And again, both of them, it's interesting, they both lived in, in and around New York. 
maybe if you're in New Yorker, you sort of respond more to these. But I, I've recommended both to plenty of non-New Yorkers, and they, they seem to like them too. So Westlake and Block would be a start. Yeah, I grew up in, in Phoenix, Arizona, and that has not been as prolific a site for uh, mystery novels. You know, is there are there any? By now, of course, it's, that whole regional thing has become a thing. And so there are novels set, and some of them are quite good, actually, in various cities. L.A. has not mystery novelists. George Pelicanos writes about D.C. There are many in the West, sort of, you know, more rural kind of, you know, type things. Uh, I think it's, what's his name? Uh, Box writes about a game warden. I've only read one or two of those in Wyoming, I think, Montana. So I don't know. Is there a Phoenix? Uh, is there a Phoenix mystery novelist? I haven't heard of one. You actually. know, there probably is, but I don't know of him. Right. Or her. Anyway, but one could look incidentally if one, if, if if you're listening to this and you live in a certain city, and most I suppose you do somewhere, uh, and you have like you, you're sort of curious about whether to to see if there are sort of mysteries set with a hero in that city or near that city, uh, you should Google and find out because there are there by now there's there are a lot of talented novelists, and, and they're pretty good. I mean, one of the selling points of these books, obviously, is they kind of capture the spirit of a certain uh, city in the West or Midwest or South. Or uh, Atlanta has actually uh, some good um, uh, uh, novels set there. So anyway, I'm a big fan of, of, of uh, the kind of these mystery novels, which come out of a tradition that's fairly literary. I mean, they're all, they're self-consciously not literary. They're not Marcel Proust. They're, they're, they're fun but in fact, when you go back and look at the Raymond Chandler, to whom Westlake pays tribute, almost everyone does, as the great American, you know, original mystery writer, he's fairly self-conscious about what he's doing. He rejects a certain kind of fussy literary tradition. But if you read his wonderful essay, The Simple Art of Murder, which I recommend. One of my favorite things. Is that yeah. right? No, no, we I haven't even discussed that. this before. Yeah, isn't yeah. that a fantastic essay? So, yeah. and, I mean, and it's, that's, it's, but it's a very intelligent, and he's familiar with the literary tradition which he's criticizing and, and, and which he's adapting to 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 murder mysteries right and he in that essay he he also kind of takes down the agatha christie school of you know clockwork mysteries and instead makes the case that really what the whole endeavor is about is creating a world which is a a a highly literary endeavor no totally i really think these things i would never claim they're at the highest level of literature but i think they are at as high a level as let's say, what we consider to be pretty high literature these days, you know, your kind of uh, book club American fiction or, or even above book club, you know, taken seriously in the New York Review of Books, American fiction. I actually think Westlake Block and a lot of these other people, Chandler, were just as thoughtful, just as shrewd observers. He's a little unfair to Agatha Christie. I mean, I understand that tradition, the British locked room tradition and all, he, he got tired of it. I myself have gotten tired of it a little bit over the years. But Agatha Christie... The myth of Agatha Christie is there are, there are these, you know, it's all a mystery and it's a puzzle and that's what's fun about it. The puzzles are actually usually pretty either simple or kind of silly often, and she knows that. She's slightly ironic about it, really. She is herself a great caricature, a character portraitist, I would say, in a very easy, sparse way. She doesn't spend pages, not Jane Austen, Henry James, you know, discussing these characters, but she's very shrewd about human nature and about different types, and these types recur in her mystery novels, doctors. She's not a big fan of doctors. They're often murderers for some reason. Uh, she, but, but again, for ready, the reason... Ready uh, poison at hand. Well, the poison's good. But the reason they're murderers often is that they are modern scientific types who also don't... They kind of don't like the messiness of life. And they are, sometimes they're acting out of sort of benevolent motives. They want to you know, stop people from suffering or they want to get rid of someone who's a bad person who's inflicted harm on others. She has a shrewd... Under, she was pr- quite conservative... 
most mystery writers are in my experience in the sense that they take human nature as it is. They're very suspicious of a kind of progressive, utopian, you know, let's clean up the world and get rid of all these sins and vices type attitude. And so she herself is very tough on a certain kind of and the physicians, the doctors in Agatha Christie, she regards as sort of an emblem of a kind of belief in, you know, science, rational control, you know, that 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 mindset of, which is a perfectly reasonable, help, good mindset of helping people can kind of spill over into a sort of scientific, um, this person doesn't need to live or doesn't deserve to live. And she has, she never preaches about any of this. It comes up very much in passing. But she's, I think, I think conservatives especially, would find Christie congenial. Westlake and Block, so far as I can tell, were moderate liberals in their own politics, not very political, really. Uh, Westlake did write a piece with Weekly Standard, sort of defending George W. Bush, so he was contrarian on that. But um, but but underneath the lib, you know, the kind of not too political, non ideological attitude of the novels, there's a kind of conservatism in the sense of understanding that the world is full of complicated people. Some of them are bad. Some of the good people, people who appear to be good or bad. Some of the ones who are flawed turn out to be quite good. I mean, I think there is a um, conservative sensibility in a lot of these certainly, mystery novels. Certainly, if you're in a Lee Child mystery, there's a, a, a commitment to retributive justice. Yes, yeah, so the other kind of books I like, and I think they are honestly a cut or two below the kind of Westlake block books in just in terms of depth, but they are great reads are the Lee Child, Jack Reacher novels, for example, and there are a million cousins of those, and and uh, he himself is dependent on many other people who did this before him, and as he would be the first to say, and then if you go in any airport bookstore or whatever, you'll see you know 10 of them on the books up there and uh, being sold, and a lot of them are pretty good. I mean, Child is one of these guys who is, uh, so Reacher is his hero. I guess a couple of movies have been made now about him, not very good, in my opinion. Tom Cruise is the hero who's supposed to be he's supposed to be a really big guy. Right, six foot five. Yeah, Tom least. Cruise, Tom Cruise is a shrimp, five. and he's you know he's sort of athletic, but it's not the same. This guy's like can disarm people and all this with you know two snaps of his uh, of his hand or his arm and and all. He's a former military policeman in, in the Lee Child novels. Reacher, who's now kind of at you know doesn't really have a place to live, doesn't want to live anywhere, just roams America. It's it's all fanciful. And the actual plots, if you think about them for two minutes, are very fanciful. But um, he's he writes in an extremely simple way, which, again, takes a lot of work. I mean, it's a clever and artful simplicity, uh, so, but you totally get swept along. I, I've never been able to put one of those down once you pick them up without, without finishing them. And there are many, as I say, other books that are kind of cousins of the Lee Child books that are, that are a fun read as well. So I guess the the only question remaining for your um, summer reading habits is: it, you know, do you do you get on a towel on the beach or yeah. a, a folding chair or a hammock? I'm a big. I, we go to the beach for a week, and uh, here in uh, you know about 150 miles east of Washington, there's the Maryland and Delaware beaches, a whole bunch of them from Ocean City through Fenwick to Rehoboth to Bethany, and. Uh, we rent a house or have often or sometimes shared with another family and bring hope our kids and grandchildren now can come. And I think they will come. But I'm a big believer in sitting on the air-conditioned porch and looking out <laughs> at the beach. I like being I like being at the beach. I don't really like so much being on the beach. You know, there's Good sand, yeah. there's seawater, salt water, things, you know, there are other people. Um, yeah. I get sunburned kids, just walking. Kids to running the beach. around. I, I kind of like the 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 looking at the ocean and contemplating it as I uh, sit on the porch and read one of these novels. Bill Crystal, thanks for joining us for the Crystal Clear podcast. 
And thank you for listening to the Crystal Clear Podcast. Be sure to tune in every week. Just go to iTunes or Google Play for a free subscription or go to our website, weeklystandard.com. I'm Eric Felton. Thanks again.